right. Good to have Brother Randall with us tonight. Appreciate him coming and uh, preaching God's Word. We know that's what we're going to hear tonight. So you come on, brother. Is uh, Aaron taller than you now? He is taller than me. I'm just bigger than him. I got you. You're also the dad, right? I'm in bigger this way. I wasn't going to say nothing. <laughs> yeah, my son is a lot taller than I am. It's pretty bad. So, if you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like you to turn over to the book of Luke, chapter 24. You've all heard this, the term, seeing is believing, but I'm going to turn that around and say, believing is seen. And that's what we're going to look at here in Luke chapter 24. We're going to look at something that occurs that some men... Well, let me, let me rewind. I'm not going to give you the story just yet. Let me rewind. I don't want to give away yet what's, what's going on here. But let me ask you, have you ever had something that happened that's so discouraging and it just seems like there is nothing that can turn it around? Yes. Nothing seems to make it better. You pray to the Lord and He just doesn't seem to respond. There may be times, perhaps you've tried everything, you sought every avenue, and it just seems that nothing works. I see that a lot. I won't say a lot. I see that often in RU. When, we're back there, when I'm back there with people who are struggling with addiction, struggling with Whatever the addiction may be, whether it be eating, to drinking, to drugs, to alcohol, to any of those things, and they've tried every avenue, and they cannot find a solution. And I know that they've prayed, and they can't find an avenue. Or maybe it's a season in your life when it's just not working. There's other times where it may be seen that God's not real. Or maybe God's not listening or you're not hearing from God. And the frustration just seems to build. Almost, I'll compare it like a pain or when a pain of reality sets in. And nothing can seem to get rid of it. I'll liken it to having a migraine. The aspirin just can't take effect quick enough. I know for a fact there's times where I've been woken up in the middle of the night and my head hurts so bad. And I'm like, man, I've taken aspirin, done all these things, it just doesn't work. I've seen my daughter Rachel when she struggles with migraines. And, it's, and nothing seems to work. And it seems to affect every area of your life. Really, the situation can be all-consuming. We're going to look at something that occurs in Scripture that I believe that some men face just that. I'm not going to tell you the solution right now. But I'll point you to one who does have the solution. Amen. Brother Ron back, will you pray for us tonight? Our most kind, precious Heavenly Father, we come to you here tonight. We just praise your name, Lord. Be with the service tonight. Just be with everything that's said and done. Just give the words, Brother Randall, what he needs to hear. We all need to hear. Hiding behind the cross and things 
speak to us and speak to our hearts. Would you speak through him, God? And Lord, we ask that you just go with us the rest of the evening. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you look, if you turn in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 24, I'm not going to ask you to stand because the reading is going to be quite long. But I'm going to start off in verse 13. What you're going to see here, a little bit of history, is Jesus has just died upon the cross. They've seen, they've went to the tomb, it's empty. The women have come back and said, He's not there, He's risen. Because that's what the angel told Him. But these men that we're going to look at, they were disciples of Jesus, but they can't find Him. If He's risen, He's got to be somewhere. Where is He? And that's really what they're going through. They've just seen their Savior crucified. They've just lost a friend that they've been with for three and a half years. These men are going through a time of turmoil. Everything that they've invested in their lives is now gone. Look here in the verses. It says in verse 13, it says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another? As ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel, and beside all this, today, this is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had seen also a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher, and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then said he unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. I want to stop right there and just sort of recap a little bit of what's going on. I call this the delinquent or the devastated disciples. You're going to find that I tried to theme this with these. And I'll be honest, trying to do that was extremely hard. But really, I call this the delinquent disciples because you find two men who had walked with Jesus. They knew what he was about. In fact, they already knew that he was resurrected. And Jesus' response to them is, why are you sad? 
And if you look at the story, they don't even recognize him. They don't even know who it is that they're walking with. I'm, I'm going to just jump back just a little bit further. It says, stop and consider what is three score furlongs. That is seven and a half miles. You ever, any of you ever walk with somebody for seven and a half miles? That's a, quite a long time. I know that when Aaron and I were in Jerusalem, it felt like we walked seven and a half miles every day. And there's no complaint. But here we know that the distance between Emmaus and Jerusalem was about seven and a half miles. Two of his disciples had started to walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus and were talking. And Jesus joins up with them. And they're like, do you not know what has happened? Have you not heard? I think it's neat how during this trip, Jesus who already rose from the grave and the disciples knew he had risen, comes alongside them. But I find it interesting that the disciples didn't even recognize him. They didn't recognize somebody who they'd been walking for three and a half years with. They had went through the motions with him. But they had been following him. They knew the stories. He had taught them. But you have two men here who were involved and did not know who they walked with. I can understand if it was pre-resurrection. And Jesus called them on the shores of Galilee. But here are some men who had been walking with him. And three and a half years later they still don't know who he is. I honestly think that they, don't, they did not recognize him because of what was going on. The circumstances had begun to overwhelm them. In fact, what leads even more to that is they were going home. They had left Jerusalem and were going home. Seven and a half miles is, a, is basically a day's walk at least. You could probably walk 12 miles in a day, but we're going to look a little bit at that even more so. They had walked and were talking as I begin to read and look through this, I don't think they recognized, not because of anything physical, but more their emotional situation. The devastation that they had just lost. What they were expecting. Jesus came to them and they didn't even know who they were. He carried on a conversation with them. And they didn't even catch it. Life can do that. Life can do that to us. We oftentimes may be encountering tremendous emotional or physical pain. Lord, why don't you hear me? Where are you? He was right there with them. They had been so distracted with all the events going on. Let's take a look as we go down. That was verses 13 through 20. Let's go down to verse 21. Come back over to verse 21. It's interesting. Is Jesus had been talking to them. What manner of communication are these things in, that you have one to another? And they tell them all about the crucifixion and the resurrection. And they tell them about all these things that happened. It's interesting that the one thing that they call out is, but we trusted that it had been him, that he should have redeemed Israel. 
They had an expectation of Christ that they thought that he, is, that he, he was supposed to do according to the law and the prophets. Yes, he was going to do it, but not right then. First he came to be the lamb. Next time he comes as a lion. But here, these men had an expectation of what they should see. We, we end up in those situations. See, the words that they, they actually said, we were hoping He was going to redeem, redeem Israel. Their hopes at His crucifixion were dashed. Another D word, by the way. They were devastated. There's another one. They had put an investment into Jesus for about three years. And at the crucifixion, what we were hoping didn't happen. See, the problem was not with Jesus, but with them. They had set an expectation that did not line up with what Christ was to do at that time. Often the case is with us. When we will choose to line up our expectations, God, this is one that I need you to heal somebody. I need you to, Lord, I'm praying fervently for it and it doesn't happen. Lord, you let me down. Maybe it's not his will. The emotional pain had overridden their reality of, in Christ. It had overridden their reality. Stop and consider what was going on. They were walking with Jesus and didn't know who he was. It's not that he just walked behind them and sort of, sort of back to the left or anything like that. He walked with them and talked with them just as he did for three and a half years before this and they still didn't know who he was. Sounds like some Baptist church members. Hmm. It's funny how they tell them, how they sit there and tell them, the women went to the tomb, it was empty, and they don't even recognize him. Perhaps in this time of trial, you're faced with enormous tribulation and feel like all the effort you've put in has been for naught. I mentioned earlier, I oftentimes see this in RU with those who are struggling with an addiction. And then they fall. And then they realize they've invested so much and they want the change. But Lord, where are you? Perhaps in your life it may not be addiction, but something else has left you disappointed, discouraged, desperate, and you're begging for His presence. Lord does not seem to be near. Where is He? Maybe you read your Bible every day. You attend church every time the doors are open. You pray every day. 
You're involved with every ministry of the church. But the Lord just doesn't seem to be near. See, we find oftentimes that people in those situations are disappointed because their individual hopes have been dashed. Just as these disciples were in this situation. In this situation, they could not find the Savior. For Peter, we know, had run to the tomb. The women had come back and said, He's not here, but He's risen. And these men said, I'm going home. Just like Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my job that I had three years ago. As they had tread down this path of discouragement when they left, maybe you don't realize it, but where they were leading would lead to ultimately to depression. Depression will lead you to despair. And when despair is finished, it will ultimately end, you will end up where you want to die. I don't know if you've ever been to that point where you're like, Lord, just, I'm done. Take me home. Lord, finished. Quit. These disciples' disappointment was so deep. That's why I called them the discouraged disciples. See, they didn't see who was right beside them. They didn't see who was walking with them. Look in verse 25. Verse 25, it says, And then he said unto them, I'm just going to pause right here. Stop and listen to the words that Jesus says to them. He didn't tell them, It's going to be okay. His words here, Oh fools. Ever talk to somebody who's depressed in that way? It's like, Whoa! But he tells them, oh fools and slow of heart to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures these things concerning himself. Talk about getting their attention. You know what's interesting? It didn't get their attention. Same thing. Just continue down the path. You know what had led them to where they were at? It was, not the, it was not the crucifixion of Christ. It was not the death of Jesus Christ. It was not that they could not find Him. You know what led them to where they were at? And Jesus didn't confront the situation of, I died. You know what He confronted them with? Their foolish disbelief. They had not even seen who they walked with. That's why he says what he says. O oh, fools and slow of heart to believe. It wasn't, it'll be okay. It was wake up. For I'm right there with you. 
See, faithlessness will lead you to desperation. If you put your faith in anything other than Jesus Christ, it will lead you to a desperate situation. If you put your faith in a man, he will let you down. If you put your faith in your wife or your husband, they will let you down. If you put your faith in your children, they will let you down. Jesus Christ will not. And that's really what he talked about right here. Honestly, as I began to look at that, I was like, wow, that's not the way I probably would have thought about handling the situation. But Jesus knew exactly what they needed to hear. And that was to point them to the Savior. To point them to Himself. Our lapse in faith will always lead us to frustration. I see it every time. One steps through the doors and are you that is struggling with addiction. Every time. It's either they're lost or they're away from Christ. Every single time. You want to talk about a backslidden church member. You know the problem? It's not that the person was gossiping, because guess what? Church is full of a bunch of hypocrites, including myself. You want to know what it is? They have put their faith in something other than Jesus Christ. It's a problem. When we're outside of God's will, it will lead you to a path of hopelessness. It's quite interesting that Jesus asks, Jesus says he's going, he brings up and begins to talk about God's word. That God's word pointed to him. What a beautiful picture. See, the disciples were faithless. They knew God's word. Keep in mind, they were Jews. They grew up in this. And he said, remember Moses and the prophets? They point to me. And he kept pointing them back to try and get their attention. But the word just didn't seem to be enough. We'll continue down the story for that. See, what they saw and what God said did not appear to be matching up. Their expectations were not aligned. Same thing happens with us when our expectations are not aligned with God. This can lead to faithlessness. Ultimately with these men, it was not that they did not know it, but they didn't buy it. It's not that they didn't know it, they didn't believe it. I'm going. Peter said the same thing. I'm going fishing. I'm done. Checking out. Same thing with these men. Going back to Emmaus. Go back home. My hopes are gone. 
Jesus didn't allow them to continue walking that path. I love the fact that Jesus came alongside them. See, people want the word, especially church members, they want the word, but they don't want Jesus. They want the word, but they don't want Jesus. All come to Sunday. These men had been there with him for three and a half years. They wanted him for what they were going to get out of it. But they didn't want Jesus. In fact, as they walked with him, it's often, or as we walk with them, it's often times. I gave you my three hours on Sunday, my one hour on Wednesday. Maybe even I went, I went to the to meetings this week, went to care or some other ministry in the church. I did these things. Jesus, I, that's enough, right? That's enough. I got my life to live. Let me go live my life. I may get shot for saying this, but you want to know what the imper- a lot of times what that's about? I'm going to get knowledge about Jesus, but I don't buy it. I'm not sold, or I'm not sold out for Christ. It's interesting, Brother Hall mentioned. He goes, "You know, lay it on us." I'm like, "Brother, says the Lord hit me good this week." Hmm. See, they were, imagine what they were talking about before Jesus even walked up. They were discussing the events of what had just transpired in Jerusalem. And you can tell that, by the way, what they told Jesus, what, have you, where have you come from? You weren't around here? Were you not here? Did you not hear what happened? They crucified our Savior. But their attitude was, oh, you have little faith. Look at verse 28. It gets better. So I'm going to start off in verse 27. In the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the things of the scriptures concerning himself. And they drew nigh. So basically, keep in mind, this is a seven and a half mile walk. They're now, which would take, by the way, if you're walking at 15, at about three miles an hour, it takes you about 15 minutes a mile, so it was about two and a half hours. It's really how long that they had to walk with Jesus. Two and a half hours. They finally get to the place that they're going. And they drew nigh the village where they went. And, and he made as though he would have gone further. You know what he was willing to do? Jesus was willing to keep on going. Until they did one thing. They invited him in. verse came to mind as I studied this out. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Can't quote the rest of it, I just lost it, but it was there. But you know where I'm going with that. When they came to where they were going, he feigned or acted as he would keep going. See, the head knowledge was not enough. Because they were still upset. We'll soon see their eyes opened. 
in verse 28. It says, they drew nigh, and he, he made it with it, but they constrained him, in verse 29. It says, but they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening. Keep in mind, does that know what that tells you? They were getting there, and it's about nighttime. And for those who, at that time in Israel, you didn't want to travel at night. They didn't have vehicles. Didn't have flashlights, no mag lights, no lanterns per se. You know what? If they if they did have lantern, you know what it consisted of? Something on fire inside of a little container. And if any of you have ever gone into caves before and had them light even a candle, the light can light a little bit, but you don't see it very far. And it gets dark over in Israel, especially by the shores of Galilee. I know when we got there, it was nighttime, and we pulled up the shores of Galilee, and you, you couldn't see across the sea. You could see across the sea, and you see the lights flickering on the other side, but you knew it was a big, dark area. Didn't know what was out there. And I can imagine, because they did not have light, electricity at that time, it had to have been dark, except for maybe lights that had people had put out like a torch or whatever you call them on the outside. See? I also think about these men probably walking in darkness. It wasn't, I'm not talking about walking in physical darkness, but in emotional darkness. Everything that had gone on was consuming them and they didn't realize who they were walking with. But it says here, they constrained him. And they, but they constrained him saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. See, what these men needed? They needed the Lord. And He was there. It's interesting. When, you, when you're in a court situation, you don't need a law book. You don't need more head knowledge. You know what you need? A lawyer. Somebody who knows what they're talking about. When you're injured, you don't need a medical book. You don't need to gather more knowledge. You need a doctor. Somebody who knows what they're doing. These men did not need more head knowledge. For they just laid out the entire entirety of what had happened. And Jesus expounded to them all the things in the Scripture. And you know what? They still, the light bulb had not clicked. In fact, you want to know why they invited Him to come in? It's probably to get more knowledge. To hear more about what He was talking about on, on the road. Want more. And the hunger for more knowledge. We get like that. I know from, in my career field, if you don't keep learning, you will get left behind. But you know what learning does? Scripture talks about this. It puffs up. Man, I'm, I got certifications. I'm good. My problem. These men knew all the stories. But their life did not reflect it. Sounds like Baptist church members. Sounds like me. It's like, ouch. We know the stories. Does the community see Christ in you? 
in verse 29. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And the day is far spent, and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at me with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Oh, whoa. They invited the Savior in. He sat down and blessed the bread and took it and gave it to him. And their eyes were opened. Jesus, you've been here with me the whole time. Been here with me for two and a half plus hours I walked along the road. And I didn't get it. Hmm. Verse 31, and, they, and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. I like the next part of this. As the songwriter begins to come. So you can read the menu and salivate. The waiter can explain the food and make you hungry, but until you order the flute, until you order the food and it gets delivered to your table, only then will you taste it. Think about that. Disney has some awesome pictures whenever I go out to Disney. They have some awesome restaurants and they have some awesome food on the menu. I don't get to try it unless the food comes to my table. doesn't matter what the waiter says. The head knowledge is great. He gave me all the knowledge about the food. But I don't know how good it is until it's there and I try it. And I like food, by the way. If you never experience the food, you will leave hungry. If all you do is look at the menu, and the waiter tells you about it, and you put it down and you walk away, you will leave hungry. See, God didn't give us a book just to gather more head knowledge. Didn't give us a book so we learn more about Jesus Christ. He didn't give us a book or give us this church so that we can... Gain more knowledge. He gave us these things so we can go out and tell the world about Him. And that we look more and more like His Son. These men's eyes were open when He broke the bread. So they had ended the Bible study and still did not recognize him. They recognized him and they sat down and they broke bread with him. Mm. They felt differently when he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and they ate it. As they consumed the word. Look at what they say. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way? And while he opened to us the scripture. I like verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. 
They had just walked seven and a half miles. And that same hour, you know what they did? I'm getting back up and I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to go tell them what had just happened. Something took effect in their life that changed them. And that, they, that was Jesus Christ. They saw differently, they felt differently, and they acted differently. Their sadness was turned to hallelujahs. I like the fact that they immediately get back up and they're like, I'm going back to Jerusalem. The fire that had been dying was ignited. Keep in mind, it wasn't even morning time, but they're, gonna, they're willing to face whatever was out there. They just said, Jesus, come on in. It's, it's, it's evening time. Come in and eat. Jesus sat with them, broke bread. And the next thing you know, they're like, we're going back to Jerusalem. I'm going to go edify the brethren up there. And you find that as you continue reading through the chapter. I'll leave that for you. The song leader comes. Perhaps you're in that place where your faith is just worn out. Perhaps you're you're in a place where you're you're you seem to be doing all the right things, but you just don't see Christ. Perhaps you've not met the Savior. I compel you to come. I urge you to come. Perhaps the storms of life are distracting you. Jesus' response is, Oh, faithless generation. Do you not see? I'm here with you. See, the thing is, they got rid of their expectations and aligned up to His. As we stand.